Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, July 18th, 2022. How do you solve a problem like the Corinthians? Uh, Today, we are starting our journey through 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and you will see these are unique books of the Bible. They are the longest letters that we see to one church, two longer letters to one church. And you're going to see that they're full of issues that seem to have come up in this church. And even there's confrontation towards Paul or false rumors. There's a lot of difficult things in these letters. And if you have been following us through this chronological reading, we followed Paul on his second missionary journey, where he spent about a year and a half in the city of Corinth. And from there, likely he wrote first and second Thessalonians. That was to a church that he had just been a part of uh, starting in a church that had a lot of persecution, but his words, there were very encouraging, very affirming. Well, now Paul has wrapped up his second missionary journey and started his third. And he has come to the city of Ephesus, where he spends a long time doing ministry. And it's likely during that time that he sends these letters across the Aegean to the city of Corinth because he hears that there are problems, there are issues. And so we will learn a lot about the Corinthian church and really a lot about the truth that God has to give in the midst of some of these issues. So as you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, it starts, Paul says he is writing to the church in Corinth, and then as he normally does, he gives thanks to them. Uh, But that is, in this book, relatively short compared to a lot of his other epistles. It's just verses 4 through 9 there. But then in verse 10, he starts to get into the issues. And it's clear the first issue is divisions in the church. And that's where you might feel, that's still a problem today. Maybe you feel there's division in your own church or you look out at the the landscape and you see, well, there's all these denominations and all these different churches. Is that the way it should be? And we're going to see, well, the real solution to the problems that can be caused by division, uh, the true solution is gospel humility. True humility that comes from knowing who we are and what Christ has done for us. Uh, You see in verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. So there, he's heard a report that there is fighting going on in the church. And what does that look like? What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So you see, they start to form factions saying, I follow these different people. And maybe you can relate to this today, uh, maybe even within your own church, you feel like people, well, you know, I listen to this 
pastor, um, whether it's at your church or now, especially with media and podcasts and just the internet and sermons you can download. Maybe you get, well, hey, we, we follow this pastor and we read his books and we listen to his sermons and his podcasts. And there's another division. Oh, well, we listen to this other pastor to a point where it's not just, hey, we, we prefer or we connect with this, but no, we are fighting about this. We are quarreling. And that seems to be part of uh, the problem isn't so much that there are some differences of opinion or different preferences in, in teachers that really connect with them. It is that they are fighting about these things. And Paul says, what in the world is, is going on? What is Christ divided? It's not about me and it's not about uh, these other teachers. It is about Christ. And that is the message in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, let the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. It's about the cross of Christ is what he is saying. And he goes on to say, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So he goes off here really on the gospel saying, hey, this message that we preach, it is not designed to be, oh, wow, that's so brilliant. It's actually something that the world is going to reject. Uh, the, it, the Jews, it's going to be a stumbling block. How could the Messiah be crucified? To uh, the Gentiles, that's going to be foolishness. Uh, what in the world are you talking about, but we see it is the power of God and is the wisdom of God. And the, the message of the cross should humble all of us. You really see that in verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So there, it comes full circle. And it starts with that reminder, hey, where did you come from? Uh, yeah, not many of you were wise. Not many of you were powerful, but you were saved. And all that you have, any wisdom that you have, any righteousness that you have, any sanctification that you have, any redemption that you have is all because of Jesus Christ. That's it, period, end of story. So if you're going to boast, knock it off because you have nothing to boast about. That's what the message of the cross reminds us of. You have zero reasons to boast except for the cross. And we see that in Galatians where Paul says, far be it for me to boast in anything except the cross 
of Jesus Christ. And now we see it, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Referring back to the prophets, right? Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. But let the one who boasts, boast that he knows me. That's what you should be excited about. And so I want you to think about that for yourself today. Everything that you have is because of Christ. So you should not be quick to quarrel. You should not be quick to fight. You should not be quick to look down on others because you have nothing without Christ. And you need to spend some time praying and thanking God. Anything you have in the Christian life, you don't deserve. You didn't earn. It is a gift of God through Jesus Christ. And you need to thank him for that. Also, I think this should even get you to think about evangelism. And I think sometimes we start to get proud and think, well, you know, all evangelize to people who I think are likely candidates. Um, and, and basically by that, we mean people that I get along with. Well, maybe we need to be thinking outside of that and thinking of those that they don't seem wise. They don't seem powerful. They might not be people for earthly reasons you would even want to befriend, but they need the gospel and, and you need to share it. And and maybe they might actually be the more likely converts. You think of even the teaching of Jesus. It It's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we, we should think through some of these things and how they should humble us and how they should change even how we think or some of the things that we do. And it certainly should put, you know, throw a cold, wet blanket over any uh, just quarreling or fighting in the church that really comes from pride and arrogance uh, because we're all uh, just coming back to the, the message of the cross and that we are nothing without Christ. So I pray for true gospel humility for yourself, for your church that will come from the message of the cross. Now, as we go to the Old Testament today, we start to get into the reign of King Solomon. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 4. It really talks about Solomon's officials and lists all of them. And then it just gives these descriptions really of how well things are going. It is a good time to live in the nation of Israel because things are going well. Solomon is a good king. There is peace because of victory. There is wealth and prosperity. This is a good time. And you see some of that then reflected in the psalm that we read today, Psalm 72. And this is a psalm that, as you will see here, uh, clearly gets us thinking about the king. And you see it's also a psalm of Solomon. But it says, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. And basically, it's uh, a psalm praying for almost what we see in First Kings. It's a psalm praying for the king and praying that the king should do what he is supposed to do and that that would bless the people and that it would be a time of justice and righteousness and prosperity amongst God's people. And that's where you might look at that picture in 1 Kings 4 and Psalm 72. And I'm guessing most of you listening to this podcast are probably looking out at the United States of America and saying, man, it really doesn't feel like that's what's going on here. Uh, it really does not feel like a time where the rulers are doing what they are supposed to do and that the society is prospering as a result. In fact, maybe you're, you're 
anxious or are even just frustrated with what you are seeing, let this be a reminder, though, and a call to prayer. We, we can look at our leaders and still pray, God, give the king your justice and your righteousness to the royal son. God, we want the leaders to do what is right. We might not have confidence that they'll do it, but we should pray. Uh, God commands us to pray for our leaders. Think of First Timothy 2, for instance, and that's not because we agree with them. That's not because you, you think even that they're always doing a good job. Maybe at some points in your life, you have experienced times where you think, yeah, man, the leaders are doing what they're supposed to do and the, the country's prospering as a result. Maybe you haven't, but whatever the case may be, God is calling us to pray. Uh, let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray as Christians for their salvation. Let's pray for their wisdom. Let's pray that they would make wise decisions that benefit society, that give justice and righteousness and defend the cause of the poor and crush the oppressor. Let, let's pray for those things. And especially if you feel like, man, I don't feel like I'm seeing Psalm 72 or 1 Kings 4, all the more reason to pray. And let's remember, even as we pray for the salvation of our rulers, many of those that probably will get saved and be a part of turning the world upside down, they might not be part of the ruling classes or, or the elites. Not that that can't happen, but remember 1 Corinthians, not many wise, not many powerful, and let's continue to seek to share the gospel and let's continue to live with gospel humility, even knowing, hey, the, the reason I am where I am and walking hopefully in righteousness and wisdom and sanctification sanctification. It's all because of what Jesus Christ did for me. So I pray that we would all live with true gospel humility today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.